am Elodie Broy. I am a crew at Chiswick Lifeboat. I am an Atlantic class helm and I'm hopefully about to become an E-class helm. The RLI's impact on my life I think is huge. I wouldn't have been able to do many of the jobs that I did and, and do now without having been a part of the RLI. I wouldn't have been able to go to Antarctica uh, and I probably wouldn't be a paramedic without being in the RNLI. But it's, it's almost, it's always been there. Ever since I was 17 or 16, that was always the idea. I was going to be part of the RNLI no matter what. It's probably stupid, but I don't really remember any time particularly where I wasn't a member of the RNLI and where I, it wasn't part of my identity. It is a huge part of my identity. The thing that drew me to the RNLI was I've been a sailor since I was about knee-high to a bee and I was always interested in boats and I couldn't really believe that there was a group of people that gave up their time, um, ran out of their butcher shop or whatever and went to help people who like me, might have got in trouble for free. I took that awareness of the RNLI and how important it was, and at the age of 16 went to Atlantic College for my, effectively my A-levels, although it was the International Baccalaureate. As part of the International Baccalaureate, you have to do a community service. And it just happened to be that one of the community services at Atlantic College was the RNLI. The reason for that is that it was developed, it was created in the 60s and during the 60s and 70s they built um, the first rib effectively. So the first rib which is now a ubiquitous boat in the search and rescue world, pleasure world, recreation, military, everything. It was first developed by the students of Atlantic College and the patent for it was sold to the RNLI for a pound and the cheque was never cashed. And that is actually why the Atlantic class is called the Atlantic class. It's in honour of, of Atlantic College. Um, and one of the reasons that they created the RIB was to be able to do safety boating for the sailing activity that was, that was there at the time. But it moved on into becoming a lifeboat uh, and the RNLI developed a, a station there and we've been a station there since the 60s or 70s up until 2013 when the station shut. So it was part of the possible community services that you could do. So I joined. We were a fully established lifeboat station. I wouldn't say it was a normal college. It's an international school so there are people from about a hundred different nationalities so on my crew, I had someone from uh, the Netherlands. Uh, there was Norwegian, oh, lots of Norwegians, actually. Uh, we had someone from India. So we were a truly, truly international crew. Uh, and yes, the pages would go off. And it's also, it, it's an odd place in that it's actually built in a, in a 14th century castle. So you might be in history class at the top of the tower, um, and the pages would go off and you'd have to race down the spiral staircases trying not to break your leg as you, uh, as you got down to the seafront. I have been a member of the, of the RNLI ever since. So I 
went to university, but I kept coming back to the college to teach outdoor activities in the summer. And while I was teaching outdoor activities, I main, maintained as the, as the crew. I actually became a helm so that I could cover uh, the helm position during the summer. And I became a helm at the age of 18. So I believe I'm the youngest person to become an Atlantic class helm. I then moved back to London, joined Chiswick, and I've been with Chiswick uh, since 2008. And because of my experience driving jet boats on the E-Class with Chiswick, I was actually able to become the boating officer for the British Antarctic Survey because they also use jet boats. I worked down in in South Georgia for 14 months, came back, and I'm still on the E-Class at Chiswick and hopefully about to finish all my assessments and do my pass out for helm there. Some of my most memorable moments were, well, one, my first ever shout as helm, where I launched and the exhilaration of actually being in charge suddenly crashed into realization that everyone on that boat was relying on me to get them out and back again, which was quite um, daunting. It was also when I was part of the uh, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee regatta. We were on the Thames with, it felt like thousands of other boats. And I was helming a, a, an 85 there. And we were sitting next to the London Eye. And the suddenly all I could hear, it had been cold and wet and rainy, but the crowds that were lining the Thames were extraordinary. And I just remember suddenly hearing through my helmet these thousands of voices all singing, I think it was Jerusalem. And this spine-tingling moment of sitting there watching this and hearing thousands and thousands of people all with one voice. It was truly incredible. The transferable skills, which is such a buzzword at the moment um, that the RLI has given me, has been basically how to look after my team. Being asked to be part of a quite, quite an interesting organisation at the age of 17, you know, not many 17-year-olds go out on the water and attempt to save lives, that made me very aware of, of my own limitations and how far I could push those limitations. And then being a, a helm at such a young age, I learnt how to lead and I learnt how to manage, I think I would say, volunteers because it's a very different situation to managing people who are paid to be there when you are managing volunteers you have to be you have to deal with them in a very different way you can't say you you will be here you have to be here you you kind of say would you mind being here would you mind doing that and i think that respect is incredibly important and just because we're not paid to be there doesn't mean that we're not professional we are absolutely amateur professionals um i have I've worked with organisations which are professional organisations across the world who are not as professional as we are in the RNLI. To me, the RNLI means community, family and service. 
uh, I was always brought up to feel that you should give back to your community. And the RNLI has given me that, and has given me the opportunity to give back in so many ways. Um, most of them fun. I mean, there's not many opportunities where you can give back to your community while driving at 42 knots down the Thames. Uh, and, I, and I won't deny that that's a great part of why I, why I am still part of the RNLI. But the crew is a family. It's a different system in, in, on the Thames. You don't all come together for, for training nights. We all do 12-hour shifts. So you see the crew when you hand over to them or take over from them. But they are, they are family. You know when they're getting married, you know when they're having kids, you know when sometimes they've had a, a problem. Um, and it, the RNLI to me is, is, yeah, it's family and it's service and it's wonderful. Hello, this is Griff Rees-Jones. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.